Hi, and welcome back to What's the Buzz? This is your girl, Ali. In tonight's episode, we sit down with Simon from Save the Bees and Steve Fuller. We discuss all things Varroa and what's with the cricket noise? Nothing, because we're still out there talking about it, educating you. Sit down, relax. This is What's the Buzz? And welcome back to What's the Buzz. Uh, it's been a fortnight since we've touched base and we have Steve joining us again. Welcome, Steve, and thank you back for joining us. How no are worries. You? No, I'm <laughs> pretty we, good. Getting there slowly. Getting there slowly. I feel you, I feel you. And we've got Simon from Save the Bees. Thank you, Simon. How are you going? Good, thanks, Alison. Yeah, so we've gone. Unfortunately, Steph um, is a little tired bee, so she's gone to bed tonight. So you've got us entertaining you. Um, So it's been a fortnight, so let's touch base. Um, There was an announcement or a letter put out today by Arbic. Um, Do you want to fill us in on that, Simon, and what's the update? Uh, The update is that there will be um, chemicals available for beekeepers. Um, and um, there were two updates, one from the New South Wales DPI saying that if you have a beekeeping business or shop or you want to be a supplier of the chemicals, um, there was an email you could um, send in, and, yeah, and then Arbic um, sort of put a bit of a chart up of the different chemicals and, um, and the sort of regime that you might, take up when using those chemicals in regards to when you if, if you can sell the wax and and sell the honey so yeah I guess that's you know a not very nice thing to to be looking forward to mm. and um, I I was a bit cynical um, you know from a while back I was sort of writing about who who could potentially, Someone's going to make a hell of a lot of money with those permits, mm. and yeah, I, I don't know who's who's making the money, and if um, if people on the board of Arbic were making the money directly, I'd I'd definitely find that a conflict of interest, and um, I guess we we have to just sit this out and see how it's going to work. Um, you might know a bit more than me, Steve, but I actually. I guess if the honey industry council themselves made money out of the chemicals, um, you know, I, I don't know, that, that might be a, a, a good thing if they had a bit more financial backing. Um, but then that also opens the door to to a bit of corruption too where, where maybe they'll enforce people to use certain types of chemicals. Well, yeah, look, that's exactly right. Like... The biggest thing is we've got to be transparent or that everyone's got to be transparent about this on where it's coming from, who's bringing it in, who's getting uh, the rights to supply and all this. But um, I actually seen a post on a uh, another Facebook page this week um, about uh, all these chemicals being available. And apparently they've had an influx of calls for it. But unless they're using it as a surveillance tool, why are they buying it? Exactly right. Yeah. Have they got mites and they haven't told us? Mm. You know, now this is is where it gets a bit grey. Is this being supplied as a surveillance or is this being supplied as a a management tool? 
you don't need it as a management tool if you haven't got mites. Mm, yeah. Are they still counting? Are we still, is the DPI still, um, I guess, assessing zones, et cetera, et cetera? Because um, that's gone very quiet. No, okay. in the email yeah. today, they, I think they, like, and Steve, you can clarify this, but I, there was suggestion that some feral colonies had started to die out because of high mite counts. Um, but do you know much about that, Steve? Okay. Um, I have not seen a hive yet die out from Varroa in Australia. Usually a hive only dies out when we've got viruses here. So we're, we don't have deformed wing virus or DWV. Uh, we don't have cashmere paralysis virus or any of the, all those. So while ever the bee can actually function, she will go out and gather and come back. It's when it's when we get those viruses is when it impacts, and that's that's actually stated in um, New Zealand because uh, that's what happened in New Zealand. Um, they didn't have viruses, that's why they took it a little bit blasé at first, and then it, it the viruses come in. They think through semen um, or a queen, whatever, and then it went through the whole apiary industry. So. That that's going to be the biggest problem. I have not heard of a hive dying out from Varroa yet, so mm, I'd like to see some evidence on that, Simon. Wouldn't that yeah. be from the Fribnell bait stations? That's what I'm thinking. That's, like... that, that's exactly it. Is it uh, is it small hive beetle? Um, is it a chemical from a, a poisoning? Is it a uh, like Fribnell or something else? Mm, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, they, they haven't got any backup evidence and I don't know exactly. how they will. And I, I think it's that, that is a worry for the future when people start blaming the mite for losing their hives when, when yes. it could be a number of things. Well, well, and this is right. Like, look, we've got to stick to the facts because if we turn around and start pointing our finger at everything else, then we're giving a false um, analogy off it or... Uh, a, a falsity about it and this is what we don't want to do like we don't want to think oh yeah gee whiz this chemical's not working so let's throw another chemical at it we've got to find out if that chemical is not working first before we change yeah yeah right. and that's another problem we've been using the same chemical in the surveillance hives now for from dot so has if this might, and it's been used, and it's even the uh, in manufacturers say not to use it for 12 months solid. Well, it's here. So does that rule one of those miticide strips out? Mm. Yeah. You know, so this is the other thing. The other other thing, I, I it's fine to turn around and restrict. But what I would like to say is say, here's all the tools. Yeah, it's every tool known to us that can, we can use and, and lay it out and say, rightio, yeah, here's this one, that one, that one. And that allows the person then to make up their own mind. So if you want to do natural varroa management, so in other words, natural varroa management would be using a drone frame, a drone cell frame, and removing that. It's been a proven fact to keep mites levels under control if you do it regular mm -hmm. 
because the mites love drone cells. And when you've got a full frame of drones, where are all the mites going to be? Yeah, well, in the drones. Yeah. In the drones, right. So there's a natural way of doing it. But once again, we've heard it lately about um, grapefruit leaves and rhubarb leaves. And that's, a, a, I think it's a formic acid or oxalic acid, whichever acid. I think it's oxalic acid. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's in the leaf. And when it's dried and burnt, it, the, the, it, it's like fogging the hive. So here's a natural one that you could possibly pack your smoker with a little bit and it'll make the mites drop off. Yeah. yeah. So once again, as I say, I'd like to see all these tools put into um, our toolbox and then we could make a... a our a, own decisions, yeah. Yes. Well, I want to do it this way this time or... No, I want to go down the road and put chemicals in, which will destroy my honey and destroy my wax. You know, yeah. No, I want to stick to the chemical, um, the chemical freeway. Yeah. Um, I did listen to Randy Oliver uh, did a podcast about it the other day. He's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, he's brilliant, and he was saying, I think they did that in New Zealand. They gave them the the toolbox, I suppose, and let them make up their own decisions. And he had a really good point that beekeepers are great um, at solving problems and right. coming up with solutions. And um, so, yeah, if, if you leave it, who knows what someone might come up with if, if we allow them to. Um, he also was was talking about a blend and I wasn't, I think, it, I was unsure if it was legal in America, but I think it was thyme oil and, and yes. a few other things. Yeah, I've yep. seen that one being, um, you know, there's there's someone I'm following on Instagram and they're actually um, putting a lot of information out in regards to varroa treatments. And it's just been fascinating the mm -hmm. amount of natural treatments that are out there that, you know, I'm searching for, Steph's searching for, and it's out there. It's, it's, it's out there. That's and right. a, decade, a decade ago when New Zealand had it, you know, you wouldn't have had that help, the, the connections and social media and the information oh, being well, so available. So, yeah, that is I, a positive. I totally, yeah, totally agree. And this is the thing, like, I sometimes look at America, and I'm not, not bashing America in this way, but a lot of their things, like the cotton industry, used to be driven by chemical companies. Um, look how they how they manage AFB. Oh, just back up to it with a tanker and we'll give them some more chemicals. Mm -hmm. So have they just gone down that path? Because I believe the amount of money they're throwing at Varroa, if they were going to find a, um, I'm going to call it like a subduer or a, a controller, they would have found it. But is that easier than just throwing chemicals at it? Yeah. Um, you would know a lot about this too, Steve. And Randy Oliver was saying that the mite resistance is, you know, astronomical. So you, you've got to yeah. change the chemicals around. You've got to up the doses. Yep. And I have heard people say Australia should learn from other countries and just never allow these chemicals because then, you know, you don't get the mite resistance. Um, but it doesn't look like we're going in that direction. I, I no, I well, I do believe that chemical use is okay so long as it's strictly adhered to. 
Once again, we've just come through the incursion. It would have been easier to defeat it if everyone had stuck to the plan. <laughs> and this is where the problem comes in. No one stuck to the plan. Plan, exactly. Now, it's like AFB. Like AFB is treated by gamma radiation or um, it can also be boiled in um, acid at 160 degrees for one hour um, and so on. The problem is I'm a beekeeper. My time's very important. Oh, it's 50 minutes and, oh, gee whiz, I'm only at 150 degrees. Yeah. So when you only do a half-hard job, you're making a bug more resistant, builds up, and it just – that's what these bugs are. They are made to find resistance. They're, they're ready for everything to be thrown at it because they'll resist it and become stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, it yeah. reminds me of head lice. Like it, first of all, it's like I look at it and I go, oh, "Now I'm scratching my head." You know that. <laughs> okay. You know where's this it's, going? Yeah, right. Yeah, and it's it. They are. It's because of the amount of chemicals that they sell in your pharmacy, um, and it's superbugs, and it's something that yeah. a lot of mums talk about <laughs> at school pickup, yeah. and yep. um, it's really quite prevalent now. And it's something that you know they go, "Oh, you know, I've used this brand, I've used this brand, and this doesn't work." and this doesn't work and you know and they start talking literally and this is do not i do not recommend this to any of our listeners um they start putting tick treatment on their children so that's yep. what they say because they're like it's the only thing that works i'm like my gosh and they're like but they don't recommend it i'm like no i wouldn't recommend that either but because they are literally saying that the, the head lice is becoming a super bug um yep. And that's why it makes me think of Varroa. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's horrible. It's it's the the resistance. And if you go back, and I think um, there's this lady I actually purchased from like this this tea tree soap because a natural, more natural method, it's proving to be quite resistant to the natural method. So, who yep. knows? Yeah. Well, the common flu is a, a real classic example. It's just got stronger and stronger and stronger over many, many years. Yeah. But we all have been, most people have been put on pen, um, penicillin or antibiotics or anything like that over um, the course of their life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most of these courses are either seven days or 14 days. And after so many days, we start feeling better. And, oh, look, I won't like those last two tablets I don't need. Or, yeah. you know, and that way, yeah, we've beaten the bug or the bug is subdued for the time being, but it's building stronger. It's building its resistance for the next time. Yeah. yeah. So, no, you, yeah, there's, there's a lot of similarities there that could be exactly right. Mm, that's very interesting. Um, so I've had some questions come in, Steve, and I want to put this out to our listeners. Throw any questions at us. Um, I'll be popping it up on our socials. Um, because we, we're here to answer your questions because it's all very unknown for all of us. It's very uncharted. Um, yep. But one person wanted to know if they should start to look into beekeeping. They're on northern New South Wales. They wanted to get into beekeeping come spring, but they're scared now. What advice would you give them? I, I, look, I encourage everyone to get into beekeeping. Beekeeping is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But to actually find if it's suited to you, I encourage people to go to 
a club, a beekeeping club or association. And look, the amateurs run some really good ones and you and Steph do too for your education. Yes. Um, Go and have a look and say, right, yeah, that looks interesting. And if they're still keen, go and put a couple of days in with people because, like, I'll say even after 40 years, a bee sting still hurts me. Yeah. So you never get used to it. And, you know, like, yes, there are some days that you turn around and say, I would never change this. I love working with my bees. But I tell you what, there's a few days that you'd look at yourself in the mirror and go, hmm, I'm over getting stung to pieces. I'm over <laughs> heavy boxes. I'm over, you know, honey in my hair and you hop in the car and the steering wheel feels sticky. <laughs> yeah, we were just having a joke about this before we got on that our house is perpetually sticky. Sticky, that's right. <laughs> yes. And then the next problem, you get bit by the bee bug. Yes. And everything you've got, the tea towels and t- uh, <laughs> cups yes. and everything's got a bee on it. It's got this bee. But, yeah. yeah, so my main advice is go and look into it first. Don't get the beehive and then look into it. Go to these clubs, talk to people, and find like-minded people and say, hey, what did you feel? Yeah, okay, yep, rightio, that was good. Um, and then they can find it also about gear, how much it's going to cost. Mm-hmm. Why are they doing it? What, is it? To save the bees, or is it? Oh, they think it'd be just nice to have them in the backyard. Yeah, because or that's for the one. Honey. Yeah, mm-hmm. or for the honey, but oh, that's yeah. what I try and tell people. It's not about the mass honey production because I'm going to be honest. You'll end up spending more money on your bees than you'll end up making. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if you think that us beekeepers are like rolling in some form of gold, no, no, no. We're the only gold we're rolling in is sticky, maybe on the floor, like from yep. some honey. Um, but no, you, you are obsessed with bees, and I still go to the beekeeping gear um, shop or one of those, you know, where you buy supplies from, and I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm going shopping, <laughs> like it's a different type of shopping i'm like not going clothes shopping i'm looking at more hive tools because i'm always losing mine i'm just going to be honest with that the <laughs> amount of pockets i have and i still lose it <laughs> i still lose my hive tools so um if anyone wants to buy me a gift please buy me a lot of hive tools that would be great but on that with the sting you're right you never get used to the stings and i know that steph sort of goes oh you know she she gets tapped but um, I got a new funny place to be stung. I got done on my nipple. All right. So that's that, that, that was, I was on a live and I had to walk off because I was like, is that sweat dripping down me? Because sometimes you question, and this is all beekeepers, sometimes, especially when it's hot, you're like, is that, is that sweat? Is that sweat dripping down me or is that a bee? And this time was one of those cases. I'm like, no, 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 that's, that's sweat until she got me right on the nipple. So yes, there you go, guys. I, I got done on the nipple during a live. So if you saw me walking off, that's why I walked off because I did not want to drop any profanities. <laughs> and it hurts. It, it hurts. <laughs> oh, it really hurts. And yeah. especially when you can't pull out the stinger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, dear, dear. Uh, so yes but no so yeah so we say join you any any other advice on, you want to throw into that simon yourself because you do a bit of mentoring yourself don't you um yeah well i think that was um right i've actually got a few people this week that i'm 
I might be taking out for some free labour, but um, it also gives them the opportunity to learn about bees. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, it yeah, I, I think that's that's wise trying to find someone who's been doing it for quite a while, yeah. and um, and helping them out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so with Varroa, obviously that's something that a lot of new beekeepers are a little bit afraid of. Um, exactly. I don't, I've been saying don't fear it. Please don't fear it. It's a lot like small hive beetle. Um, but I think you said at the beginning many pods ago um, you did lose some hives at the beginning to small hive beetle. Is that right, Steve? And then you kind of found your feet? Yeah, we lost two and a half, uh, about 2,000 in the first six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so I guess that's where your, I guess, beekeeping clubs will help you manage the rower or whatever we're going into with. Yeah. I did, like, I think, you know, it's promising, like Steve said, that no, we haven't been losing any hives to um, yeah. varroa yet and we haven't got deformed wing virus and, and other things. So we're, we're still sort of in uncharted waters in regards to, if we're going to start losing hives to it. Um, But I I got told there was someone overseas writing to me and he said after about the third year it got really bad and the feral hives were all full of it and he found the next couple of years really hard and if he went back in time, at that time, he would have just stopped for a little bit and then he said uh, once the the feral hives died out, it, it became quite easy again. Okay. Um, so I don't know. That was one person's opinion, but yep. um, yeah. I, but, but yeah. Sorry to butt in there, but it's like let's put it on a level like the pain, a pain threshold. Some people, you say the word pain, and that's too much for them. Whereas the next person, you can pinch them or sting them wherever, and they, you know what I mean. Their threshold is really high and that's exactly right what you're saying simon is what i'm what i'm trying to teach people is with varroa it's an intense management beekeeping all right if you don't manage your beehive properly varroa will wipe it out once we have the viruses and yes all hives that i know of have been killed by DPI um, euthanasia. Yeah. Right. Now, that's 30-odd thousand plus, whereas I think think Varroa is still hanging around the zero at the moment. But anyway, um, I can be proven wrong. Um, But, yeah, so what I'm getting at is some people don't mind the extra work and they'll happily – work away with their bees, but the next person go, oh, gee whiz, I can't be bothered. That's when they'll lose their hive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And that's where we talk about constant brood checks. And um, I, I think you said the DPI only required two or three checks in your brood box a year, which I just am astounded by because I check every three to four weeks that brood box. And it's the love of the bees. It's the love of looking at your queen. For me, it's yep. that passion. It's like, oh, look at that, you know, drone coming out or look at that. And I, I want to know what's going on in there. That's that's the truth. And it's yep. maintenance. Yeah, yeah. Alice, that's exactly right. Like, um, 
you know, you hear of people driving their car year after year after year and go, oh, well, gee whiz, I better check the oil. <laughs> better get it serviced. <laughs> yeah. They go, oh, yeah, I'll get it serviced. Then all of a sudden they start having all these problems. But then this person who looks after their car meticulously, they service it on time, it usually runs for years without costing a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And exactly, we call it the engine room. The brood box is the engine room of your hive. Yeah. If you keep that engine room in good condition, good frames, good bees, good bee population, not too much room, rah, 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 I'll keep on listing and listing, you have a nice, happy, healthy hive. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Not hard. Mm. No, and that's it. A lot of the people um, do come up to me and I'll, you know, take them and I don't just say, oh, yeah, these are my girls. And they're like, I can't believe, like, you're so, you know, because people fear them. I'm like, nah, you know, they're, they're good. They're good girls. And it's because, you know, they, they're used to me going in and checking them. And obviously it comes down to your genetics of your queen genetics as well. And I've got beautiful genetics in my hive. Um, so it, it really does come down to maintenance. And, again, puppy syndrome. Is that what you call yep. puppy? Yep, yep, pu- yep, puppy syndrome. You're checking yep. them. You're making, yep. maintaining them. So so for our listeners who are worried about getting into beekeeping due to this varroa, please don't be scared. Please don't be. Like, I yep. think that you just need to um, maintain, um, well, check in, go to your local beekeeping club um, oh, and yep. have a chat to everyone. And I think you you might see they're not afraid, you know, and they'll, they'll you'll right. find a good mentor um, wherever you are. So... Um, yeah, so that's a, that's a great question. So we, yep. we appreciate all the questions coming in. So, and I guess really the kind of second question, um, is that people are worried about, um, now that the Fipronil stations have moved to management stations, um, what does that mean for the wild bee population? Cause we did touch on sacrificial bees. Um, right. is that something that they're still talking about or w- what's going on there? Is there, is there any information out there in regards to if they need to send in sacrificial bees for that? Well, okay. Let's First, there's a couple of questions in amongst yeah. there. Yeah. So first off, um, feral bees are domestic bees that have gone wild. Mm-hmm. But a wild bee, under the definition, is a native bee. So I really hate the term of wild bee management that the DPI put out there. It is feral bee management. So, secondly, what they're doing is they're catching bees as they come to the bait stations. Uh, I'm of the understanding that they have stopped, as of now, have stopped their fripronol. It's only sugar and uh, wax Mm -hmm. or honey and sugar, whichever proportion they wish to mix. And they're catching the bees and they're looking at it. And they have found some varroa on some of the bees. So it's a, um, a tool that they're using to see if varroa is in the feral population. Interesting. Mm. Now, this is what they tell me, but once again, uh, I do take a lot of their uh, information uh, <laughs> with a grain of salt sometimes because... <laughs> Uh, down the road, oh, gee whiz, yeah, we forgot to tell you about that one or that didn't work or something else. So my understanding, to clarify it, is Fripnol has been stopped completely now in, I think, most areas. I, 
I'm not sure about the the two new colours, orange or whatever it is, um, in 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 the Hunter Valley and and up at um, Kempsey. Mm-hmm. Um, so that should be stopped. But look, I I think we need to surveil um, our feral population to let's let's try and get our uh, finger on the spread line so that we can um, see if it's being spread naturally or is there's being a little help, bit of help from humans. Yeah. Um, there was something, sorry, I was going to say before, one of the things about, sorry, the reporting of new IPs. You're correct. As far as I understand, they're not worried about new infected premises, okay? Yeah. yeah. But everyone may have seen that DPI have issued this beautiful purple-pink um, map. And what that is to give us is if it's a real light, 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 light pink, that might mean that there's only been one hive found in that area with mites or one apiary in that area found with mites. But where it's a real deep purple, that means that we have a real issue. And the idea of this, so I am told, is that a beekeeper wishes to go to Newcastle, uh, take bees back into Newcastle. They can look at the map and go, oh, that's deep purple. I've pretty well got a chance of catching uh, Varroa if I go back in there. So... It allows people who wish to move bees back into areas that are known to have been, sorry, that are known to have had a varroa um, mite found in that area without identifying a property. Yeah. And that allows them to say, well, yeah, I'm happy to go back into um, Newcastle Port area. Mm. Um, they know what risks they're up against. So, yeah, they're basically choosing to go in. Are they? Are they? Well, they give the beekeepers some knowledge before they move. Move yeah. exactly, and, and yeah. a risk assessment. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I've got no complaints there. Um, in regards to how they're running that map now. Um, yep. And um, I think it even like for your the person who put in that question. Um, they can have a look at that map and see what the mite load, loads are like in their area before purchasing a hive. That's right. Um, mm, interesting. And the other yeah. thing they did say, you know, which may be covering their tracks a little bit for not having a plan B, but they were saying um, that it will take quite a long time for mite loads to build up. And they're not expecting that anyone will have to start treating for, for some time. Now, okay, we, I, I know of a person that went took bees back into the Newcastle area. Mm-hmm. We thought it would be two months before Varroa might showed up. Oh, God. Uh, two weeks. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. I was like, yeah. Yeah. So the thing is, the biggest problem that we don't know is how yeah, how high is the mite load in the feral population? Mm. They've never done 
as far as I know, they never they never done an area big enough to say that it was bee free. Um, I've heard all these people say I haven't had I have not seen a bee in my backyard for ages. Yeah, I've heard that too. But was there any food in their backyard? Interesting. Right. If there's no resources, the bees aren't going to come in. Mm-hmm. Well, now, I heard the opposite. Like people, uh, and then and then the next person will say, "Oh, I've got a, an orange tree, and it's humming with bees." Mm. So, you know that like there's two right at the end of each scale. One saying there's no bees, and the other's just saying there's bees coming everywhere. Um, I spoke to another very good friend. Um, their son is in that area. Um, never seen bees around their house before. But since the so-called baiting stations, there's bees everywhere. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah and, and, and this is why, um, well, this is why I kept on saying that I believe that it could not be beaten. Mm. And just to give a little bit more credibility to that, I think it's, the spotted quoll that's just been found in Adelaide. Was yes. it a hundred? Yeah, I saw that. Yes, and they, um, the guy, it was um, he he caught it for something he thought it was eating his chickens. Yes. Um, yeah. So for anyone who hasn't heard that story, um, he he thought it was a fox that was eating his chickens. So he left out a trap, and instead he caught what they thought was an extinct animal, the spotted quoll. Is that, yeah. That's right. And I was, yeah, yeah. And so now they're doing studies because obviously there's one, there's many of them. So, um, yeah, I, I, what have, what's happened with that? They've, did they find, did they find any more? I kind of was just, yeah, read it and then that was that. (laughs) Yeah, no, no. And I, I think that's a problem that we need to find out if there is more, but the thing is that spotted quoll hasn't been seen there for 75 years. Yeah. yeah. Now, a spotted quoll is a little bit bigger than a varroa mite. Uh-huh. Just a little bit. That's right. So, once again, like, if something of that size can elude people for 75 years, imagine what varroa mite and bees can do. Well, that's the question. <laughs> and, um, you know, this is a very controversial question, but obviously mm-hmm. we can say how long has Varroa mite been here instead of, you know, when they say June 22nd could have been here longer, right? Exactly. Yep, mm. yep. So it's that's, you know, who's to say it's not in Queensland? Like that's that's that's, that's the thing that I think about quite often. Who's to say oh. it's not in Queensland or has jump state already? We don't know exactly. Yeah, and this is, and you're 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 right. It just has to be within bees, because we don't have the viruses. It's not doing the damage that we're seeing overseas. Yeah, and as yeah. I said, people are going ahead and, and yeah. Is um varroa does varroa affect bumblebees? Like I, I just am curious in regards to our nat- not so much our small, you know, TC girls or our astroplebia, but more so our teddy bear bees or our bumblebees. Okay. Yeah, our bumblebees. Well, bumblebees are in Tasmania, but our blue-banded bees. What yep. do you know about that? All right. Okay. So my understanding is varroa is um, – it, it, it's attracted to the apris 
um, bees, right? Mm-hmm. That that subgroup, Apris. So Apris serrana, Apris dorfa, all those, so mellifera, mellifera, and so on. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the other ones, when you come to our carpenter bees, our teddy bear bees, there's a question mark. Mm, there is a possibility. That bee is big enough to support it. Yeah. So, therefore, there is a possibility. Of course, it's like it's not going to jump on a TC or an AA or a hocking sigh or anything like that. They're way, way too small. Yeah. Um, to try and even get under the platelets is unbelievable. But, yeah, there is uh, – that's a really good question. And I think there is a study going on about it at the moment. Um, bumblebee. Well, they have their pitch a ride. You would think, but yeah, but they, but, can't, they uh, can't breed up on them because they wouldn't have the the cells to breed in, would they? Exactly, and that's where in in that point, because they're a solitary bee, um, that's where Vral won't won't survive very long with them. Yeah, um, they really need to be a social bee in a hive, um, and that's why, um, yeah, you find them on most of. Yeah, Asian honeybees and things like that that are in a big group. Um, the other thing is, um, let's say it can't live on it, but can it pass the viruses on? Well, That's another question. Exactly, because I see native bees and, um, you know, Europeans sharing a flower together. So, yep. you know, have... Um, Another thought that I had was that I've seen our little girls, the little native, you know, um, TCs and Hawking's eye, they really fight European. They, they will tear. I've seen a European bee trying to get into a native hive and they've gone in and try to rip the wings off or, like, bite the wings off because the native girls bite. And I'm mm. like, I wonder if that ever, again, this is just my mind, would, you know, try and bite off a Varroa mite. <laughs> like yeah, be- yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, like um, this is stuff that we don't know, right? <coughs> no, exactly. Yeah. Um, native bees actually, if they can't bite it, they spit on it. Oh, okay. Right? So they like to use propolis and they'll stick it. They, they spit it like um, a spitball and they gum it all up and cover it. And that's like, they end up um, entombing it and that's what happens. It's just so sticky. Um. So, yeah, like um, native bees are quite resilient that way. Yeah. yeah. They're small but mighty. Oh, yeah, yeah. And actually that's a good question, um, good answer to the lady before or the person before that said about bees. Yeah. If they really want to pollinate their backyard, um, native bees are brilliant. They won't hassle the neighbours. They won't hassle the kids. They don't worry the dogs. And they'll pollinate your backyard plant nice, nicely. Um, yeah, they don't produce the honey, but as you said, sometimes you can spend thousands of dollars setting up a beehive and never get a teaspoon of honey out of it. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I but, love my native girls, to be honest with you. They're yeah. my- oh, they're great. I just like, and yeah, they don't travel as far. So we need to, um, and that's something Steph and I talk about in our education sessions. Like they're not like a European, 
be that travel, you know, your five to 10 kilometer range, they'll stay close to home. And that's what I love about them because they stay close to their family and they go, oh, yeah, that is. And, you know, they do the different type of pollination as well, which is vital. Um, We just have different in in Australia, in Queensland. I don't believe, and again, ocean will kill me or you might be more aware of it. I don't think you can have the astroplebia in Victoria or um like your colder climates. So from my understanding, astroplebia or your AAs need to be in your warmer climates. Um, yep. I'm not sure about your Hawking's eye or your TCs. So, yeah, not sure about those for our listeners who are across. All North of Sydney, I thought. Yeah, yeah okay. that's yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, but every state, every, including Tasmania, has their own native bees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you don't need to have a hive. Like if, um, I think um, there's been many of people who have designed up bee motels. Yes, yeah. And they're a great little thing. Like the kids can get involved with them and all that. But as I said, the beauty of these is that no one gets stung. There's no reaction. And you don't have to be registered. You don't have to um, have a compliance. There is a, um, the only disease that are knowing to it is called the Shanks disease. Okay. It it is a brood disorder. Yep. Um, but generally, that they, they haven't found, well, they haven't found a real problem with them because, as most of the social native bees, our stingless hives, they don't reuse their brood um, cells. They tear it down and clean it all up. Yeah. And then yep. they have to, and it's all made again new. So. Yep. You know, that is another way. If people are just wishing to have bees in their backyard for pollination, not so much honey, um, think of a native hive. And as I was saying, every state has native bees. Yeah. Yeah. From, um, from, yeah, from um, social right through to um, just wanting to be solo. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking about the states, um, how are we going with the borders? So, are they, um, it's, is there some permit system happening or are they, uh, uh, is it a lockdown? I've, I've asked this question. I haven't been given a, a real straight answer. Mm-hmm. Um, my understanding is New South Wales doesn't have a problem, of course. Yep. Um, it's the other states that are saying, no, 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 no. But there's nothing actually in paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where the problem comes in. Like, I, I just wish, I wish government departments would tell us the truth of what we need to do. If we need to put in a permit to bring over honey or honey products into an, another state so that we can sell it, then we need to know that. Um, okay, we know that you can't take bees or you've got to be very careful of bees, but even the permit system or the declaration system that's there, it actually asks you, are you moving these bees into state? So, yeah, I, I wish they'd come out and say in plain English, no, nah, the Queensland border shut. Okay, fair enough. But is the Victorian border, is the South Australian border. But the other big one, and everyone keeps on forgetting, what about little ACT? Yeah. 
It's mm. surrounded. It's right in the middle of New South Wales. Well, not in the middle, but, you know, it's surrounded by New South Wales, but you can't take bees through from one side. So you can have bees sitting on one side of Taz, um, of ACT and on the other side, but you can't have them inside. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically it's they're, they're doing what the government does and not really, you know, giving you a ring around. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's very interesting because it's like a lot's happened in two weeks, but also a lot hasn't happened. Do you know what I mean? Like it's very, I feel like they're still keeping it quiet in some areas. And that's why I think it's really important that us together are making noise. I guess my last question before I wrap it up is, are they still euthanizing hives where it's in the zone? Like are people still putting their hand up saying, yep, kill uh, me? Yeah, I got the phone call. The, I got a phone call today asking if I wish to euthanize any more hives. Okay. And I sort of said to the DPI, it's a little bit strange because um, my hives are all being removed from that area. Um, why would I want to euthanize them? Oh, well, we've got to give you that option. Well, mm. so short to your answer, uh, sorry, your question then, Alison. Yes, they are still going not full bore on your hives are going to be euthanized. It's a self option now. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I dared ask the question, if yeah. you don't have mites, why the heck are you euthanizing a hive? Which was my next question, yeah. Well, then my next question is, let's look at the meaning of euthanizing. The, euthana- the, the definition of euthana- euthanasia is to yeah. kill something because it has an incurable disease. Yeah. So really, we're not, Vrower is not incurable. It's manageable. Yeah. So yeah, I started but, using the term killing rather than euthanizing because mm. you, from the start. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, interesting that they're still being given that option. And again, yep. we spoke about this previously that, you know, they should go back and check in three weeks' time, you know. It's to check if Varroa is there. But I, I, why can't we move to management? Well, maybe why? giving someone an option to take those bees rather than them being killed. Exactly, exactly. Well, I, someone, well, yeah. well the, the big picture is we could be losing genetics. Yes. That yeah. could be an advantage towards Varroa or something else. Yeah. yeah. So I... Really, yeah, I'm. I'm not a fan of. Uh, let's just. Oh well, let's give the, let's give the person an easy way out. Seems like now, doesn't that's, it? Yeah, and that's. I, I don't. I don't really agree with that. But that's my personal opinion. Um, I was offered that very early, um, in the incursion here at Nana Glen. I refused it. I had. Oh, about 620 hives in the purple zone and I was offered to euthanize so to go and start in the blue zone. I said, no, I will need them in that area next year. And I was laughed at and said that um, I couldn't keep them alive. And I brought through 576. Mm. So. Kudos to you. you yeah. Get, yeah. 
so there's 576 hives that didn't die. And, um, yeah. Because so you believed it, in your girls and you, exactly. you know, you believed in them and you knew, and that's the throwback to genetics as we were talking about. And you said before, Australia has the girls that groom themselves, the cleanest girls. We, yeah. we take pride in our beauty. <laughs> yep. No, no, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we, we've already done enough damage with the genetics um, yeah. of not giving them a red hot shot. So because some of the best queen breeders were based down there. And here's another thing, Alison, that people are saying, like, yes, we removed some of the queens, our high-value queens. Now, those high-value queens were very important, but they're only half the equation. Where was the high-value drones now? Mm, yeah. So yep. that genetics that we needed to get from those high-value queens are now behind, like, we've got to breed them up again to get that get those drones from them. Yeah. Because no drones were saved. No semen was saved. Nothing was saved. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And, you know, I, I can uh, see all the male bees now going, mm-hmm, you think we didn't have purpose, now you want us back. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> you go on that the, that the females do all the work. Well, excuse me, what, where do we, you know, you can all bow down to me now, call me the king. Yeah, call me, that's it. Yep. <laughs> you know, and it's true, we need them. Well, um, it's late for you guys and it's starting to get late, so we might wrap this one up. Yep. Um, so thank you so much for your time. Um, so, uh, I think it's great. These questions that have come in. Um, so what we'll do is I'll team up with Simon and, um, Steve, you're on your Facebook uh, page as well. What is your Facebook page? I don't think we've done a shout out to that. What is that for our listeners? Um, okay. My main one is crop pollination association. Yep. Fabulous. Um, yeah. And look, I, I try and get as much latest information out there as possible. Mm-hmm. But I put things on there and let people decide. It's not what I believe in. Yeah, I give the information out, and then people can decide what they want. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly what we love. You know, popping yeah. it out there, and then we've got uh, Simon from Save the Bees, and you're on Instagram and Facebook. So I think, and obviously myself, Norma May Honey, and Steph from the Urban Bee Co. But we'll try and streamline it to. Um, yep. Yeah, one or um, Steve or Simon, and we'll get some questions from you all and throw them at us because, yeah, we, we will answer them all to the best of our ability, but we need to continue to spread, I guess, education and more awareness because we can't allow this to go under the radar. Um, where I have noticed it has, you know, gotten a little bit quiet. So I, I really want to mm-hmm. keep talking about it and educating. And I guess the main point of tonight's pod is to say don't fear getting into beekeeping do not fear it it's it's a beautiful thing um varroa shouldn't be scaring you it is a treatable um might and we've got this we've totally got this so thanks so much everyone until next week bye